Welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast live from the Blake Street Tavern. I am Jake Shapiro, your host alongside William Whalen and Ryan Konigsberg, the current editor of BSNBuffs.com and the former editor of BSNBuffs.com. We are here at the Blake Street Tavern at the corner of Park and Blake Street, the lovely incomparable Blake Street Tavern, the one and only place in Denver that is like this. They say sweet home or welcome home for a reason. It, this place truly is home to the BSN Buffs podcast. We couldn't be more happy that we're here. Absolutely. What a great intro. Truly captures my feelings towards the Blake Street Tavern. I look forward to this every week. That's why I'm totally okay with coming here at, uh, we're currently recording this at 11 p.m. on a Monday night. Yeah, that was a very Ian Dark-esque intro from from Jake there. I mean, I think you've been watching. truly, absolutely the best bar in all of downtown Denver. It's a deserved and fitting birthplace <laughs> and uh, a place that can spark the imagination of many a reporter and writer. <laughs> Jake's been watching his Euros 2016. Let's go. I watched one game for 20 minutes. Seriously? So, yes. I'm not it's a like my favorite guy. event in the world. Eh, not a soccer guy. If you, if you use your imagination and combine... The Euro Cup in Copa America, it's like the World Cup. Have you yeah, seen... because nobody from Asia is any good anyway. Yeah, exactly. And other than Ghana, everybody in Africa kind of sucks. Yep. Have you seen the Ian Dark video where he uh, they had him try out to be the Wimbledon announcer? So, like, they're playing tennis and a ball's hitting to the net, and he's like, unbelievable, another <laughs> goal, yeah. <laughs> I never saw that. Never, never, never got the chance to see that, actually. But I, I don't doubt that it was inspiring uh, in every way possible. Anyways, we're here to talk buffs uh, primarily. We're going to talk some How other stuff, How many people too. did we just lose for talking soccer for Probably the first time? Probably every last one of them. Uh, we're going to talk football, though. The other Jake kind of football. apparently off to a better start than last week, though. Yeah. Oh, God. Let's not go there. Uh, that was a mistake. We'll breeze past that. Anyways, we're going to talk football. We're going to talk buffs. Uh, some big recruiting news. Tate Martell uh, announced his commitment to The Ohio State University. Uh, he will be playing in Columbus next year, supposedly. Don't play into that BS that they do, calling it the Ohio that State That is University. so awesome. I only did that to That's piss terrible. off Ryan. It's so awesome. <laughs> it's not awesome. The University of Colorado. Nobody would ever say it. The Ohio State University is awesome. Well, tell Why? them your whole thing. You, you, you refuse to call it CU. You tell everyone that you graduated from Colorado. Yeah, well, that's true. And I guess it's kind of, no, I say University of Colorado. I never say CU. Do you and the number remember, one, like, the old Big 8 days? What? You don't remember the old Big Eight days? No, it's, it has nothing to do with that. It's like it just—I feel like it makes me sound more official. Someone's like, "Where did you go to college?" I'm like, "Oh, I went to the University of Colorado." Instead of, "Oh, I went to see you." Nothing bothers me more than someone says, oh, "I went to Boulder." Yeah, I actually hate that too. I usually say Colorado, and then people ask Boulder, and I say yes. I don't—I won't use the word "see you" outside of the state lines. Um, because generally I find people just kind of look at you awkwardly and they give you that nod. Like, I, I don't know what the hell this guy is talking about, but clearly this is something that he feels is regular, so they, they just kind of humor you. You've got Creighton, that's CU. Uh, Clemson. Colgate. Clemson. CU, I think CU is the national champions this year, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Chill. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I would say... Uh, I went to the University of Colorado, but I don't say I went to the University of Colorado. Well, and you you see recruits all the time when they receive an offer from CU, tweet out, "Oh, so blessed to receive an o- offer from Colorado Car- University." Uh. And okay, I have two takes on you this. Know, I mean, what are you gonna, what are you going to do? They're like thirteen know, freaking years old, and it's a thing that has roots decades old for everybody in the Big A. I have two strong takes on this. One, 
I can't stand when kids do that. <laughs> Two, I can't stand when people tweet at them correcting them. <laughs> yeah, that's even worse. Honestly, my be- my favorite is when when guys commit like uh, oh, what was his name? Um, Pryor, Terrell Pryor. When he committed to Ohio State, he's like, I'm proud to announce my commitment uh, to the University of Ohio State. <laughs> you know, when people mess up the, the states, oh, man, it's just amazing. Because, and you see it, they're like the the University of Louisiana State or the University of LSU. You see it all the, the time. The University of LSU. <laughs> it's, it's my favorite thing in the world. I love it. I was confused because on one of the MLB draft profiles, it said the University of Louisiana State. I had never seen that before. I was like, where is Louisiana State? Well, That's it's not the University of. That's dumb by them. Right. Yeah. The whole thing was bad. Anyways, yeah. the number one dual threat quarterback in the country, Tate Martell, committed to Ohio State. Indeed. CU, or Colorado is like, as Ryan likes to call it, was in the top five of Tate Martell's list. Guys, your reaction to Tate Martell not choosing the buffs, not the first guy that was a highly rated recruit to not choose the buffs. In fact, it's happened quite a few times in the last few years. First of all, I'd like to blame uh, Buffs Twitter for yeah. this loss because, one, well, there's a couple things here. One, there wasn't enough hype surrounding it. You didn't make the kid feel like the whole reason he wanted to stop. The whole reason he wanted to, he would have ever come to see you would have been because, like, I'm going to be the biggest thing that's ever happened to see you, which, while he wouldn't be, you got to let him think that. That didn't happen. So then I tweeted about it, but for a reason, <laughs> but for a reason, I screenshotted his tweet instead of quote tweeting it when he put them in his top six, and I said, there's not nearly enough hype surrounding this. The reason I screenshotted it was so he wouldn't see that, so see you fans could get more hyped about it and help him out. Well, what happens in the first five minutes of that tweet? Someone quote tweets, quote tweets me, and says, "At Tate Martell, come to see you." And I'm just like, "You have got to be kidding me!" Some you people got- really suck at Twitter. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. First and foremost, Ryan, as your attention gets taken away from the podcast briefly, you're at Sorry, uh, the Blake Street Tavern. An old views. friend, an old friend walked through the, um, oh, that's- the bar. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to let that one go. Um, <laughs> Roar to start it's, here. It's, there was, I know you've been spending a lot of time at Dove Valley, Ryan Konigsberg. That I know I you've been very focused on the off season. <laughs> that means freaking nothing to the NFL season. Watching guys throw balls and pads and act like any of it is important. But for Broncos fans, it is. And it I is understand important. That. Uh, and I really do understand that. I, I'm serious. But there was a lot of hype surrounding Tampa. There, there was... Because it was so early in the process for fans in general, this was the most social media hype I've seen around a recruit ever. And I say this because of this. No, seriously. Because think about the time of year, number one. The fact that CU fans are never that glued into recruiting this time of year anyways. And, I mean, when Daryl Scott was committing, this was not a thing that happened over social media. This was a thing that happened via articles being written, Bill realizing that his high school AD was a Texas shill. I mean, the, no other recruit for CU has garnered as much strictly social media excitement. I didn't see it. I, I, I know your feed is swarmed with Broncos stuff. It's stuffers. not, though. I get it. The thing, Trust I me. never. I, I get it, Ryan. I, I, I'm I on your side. It's not like I'm here for you. Okay? 
because <laughs> the reality is is that there was a ton of hype. There wasn't, dude. It's not like I unfollowed anyone on Literally, YouTube. Literally, I saw like three, th three new edits, gifts, whatever these fuck freaking pictures are. Uh, I saw like three new ones a day. Running but but were they good? I mean, some of them were pretty good. They weren't made look, by Matt Cisneros, the so they is, weren't good. If you're gonna do an edit for a recruit for your school, it's gotta be clean, bro. There's some edits Let's going out around there now yeah. that shouldn't be done. They need to be cleaned up a bit. So, but and, and that's the thing. Like, if no, you're I, a recruit listening to this, hit up Matt Cisneros. He'll do you right. Yeah. Um, I mean, nobody. I don't think anybody in their right mind expected Tate Martell. To commit to see you. Somebody's doing a Ric Flair impression downstairs, <laughs> and it's amazing. And now they're doing Fabulous. Uh, but, okay, I, I digress. But nobody really expected him to come here, especially considering when you have a school like Ohio State, uh, a head coach like Urban Meyer, and the work he's done with mobile quarterbacks. It, it's not that it was shocking, but it was kind of in the midst of this whole momentum swing for Colorado football recruiting of, oh, my God, all these kids in Vegas are tweeting about CU. Uh, the coaches are in Vegas. They're talking about feeling the rise out of Vegas all the time. And I think people got really, really jacked up about it. And thankfully, we didn't see this complete meltdown from fans. Right, it's going to be all right. Thankfully, we didn't see this big meltdown from fans when he, when he didn't commit. But, I mean... Again, we, we talked about this like two weeks ago. This is like good marketing for the program. That talented players like that, highly rated players like that, are tweeting out your school logo, are tweeting out edits saying, see you at 17, question mark, question mark. That's a good look for your program. You just kind of had to know it wasn't going to end your way, um, which, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate for the staff. But, you know, there are other irons in the fire. Yeah, I always just feel bad for fans. Because they're caught in this, between this rock and this hard place. And a lot of people tweeted this at me when I said there's not enough hype surrounding it. And that was. That was. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Come on, Ryan. Focus on the podcast here. Uh, and a lot of folks at home, I'm just catching up at, I'm just catching up here on what's actually happening. Okay. So what a lot of people came back at me at with was. You know, we can't get excited at this point in the, because they never end up committing to you. <laughs> and I feel bad because it's like, okay, well, you, you have to get excited because that's what makes it real. And that's what, like, in a, and as much as we talk about, you know, don't tweet at recruits, it happens everywhere. There needs to be excitement surrounding it. And the kids can tell. Like, you can tell who's going to be in your mentions the most and which, which teams are tweeting at you the most edits. Or whatever it is. Yeah. I have to say it with that voice. Edits. Uh, Why but, do you have to say it with that voice? Because it's, it's, it's so dumb. Like, you have to, like, validate. I don't know. All these kids. These kids are just too spoiled. Like, Photoshop me in a CU Should jersey. Should we be shaming recruits? Your column. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Your column. Uh, anyways. It's, it's unfortunate for the buffs because, I, you know, it's like, get your hopes up. Oh, well, don't get your – you shouldn't have got your hopes up because right. you knew it wasn't going to happen. So it's just very tough uh, for the program and you know, for the you fans. You know, you brought something up, like, with the whole don't tweet at recruits thing, especially with guys like this. And, and this, is what made me think, this is what made me think of it. Colorado football coaches have long said, 
three staffs in a row now that they wish their fans were more active on social media with recruits. Because recruits always talk about the love that they get from ex-fan base and whatnot. And sure, it can go wrong. But coaches in Colorado have long said they wish that they had fans more engaged on social media with their recruits. I mean, so, the, the NCAA wasn't happy about it, but remember when the C unit chanted uh, about Shea Fields at a basketball game. Yeah, which is absolutely absurd that they would – because, you know, what? when Josh Perkins was on his official visit, former basketball crew, four-star player, on his official visit to New Mexico, their entire student session held up signs saying Josh Perkins to UNL. That were probably made by the university. Eh. No. They have to be careful about that stuff, but they were probably at least uh, – the idea might have come from the university. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing is that in the end, you want your fans to be engaged. Um, I want, I certainly want fans to be engaged on social media. It makes my job more fun. You know, it gives me something to do on the days on a slow news day. But you understand, I think, even with that excitement, the chances. And, and I think it's, you know, I mean, we don't have to talk too much about a guy that's not coming here, but... <clears throat> I'm actually worried about Colorado football's uh, recruiting from a quarterback standpoint right now. They are currently in on a, on a really good prospect out of California by the name of Tyler Little. He's a three-star quarterback, according to Rivals.com. Has offers from what feels like everywhere in the country, from Arizona State, California, uh, Illinois, Indiana, Miami, Florida, Pitt, Purdue, uh, who else? Vandy, Wazoo, lots of, lots of high-profile offers on his profile and it's been rumored for a while now that he was favoring Colorado. Colorado seemed to be going up against the likes of Vanderbilt and Purdue. Pitt made a late entrance into the fold, but we were expecting a commitment from him later this week. Um, Adam Munster Tiger over at rivals.com uh, has quoted him as saying that there's no firm date for his commitment. If there's no firm date and you're sold on Colorado, as new schools keep coming in, wouldn't you just make the call? I mean, it's not like all of a sudden, like, Oregon is knocking down his door. USC has told him he's a backup option. If you're going to commit to Colorado, wouldn't you Wouldn't you have committed already? It's the same old thing. But it's the Davis-Webb situation. You don't want him to commit if he's not really committed. So maybe he's not really committed at this point. Yeah, but... With Davis Webb, it's a little bit, in my opinion, different. That process hasn't even started for him. I mean, it, it, that turnaround from him announcing his transfer to announcing that there was interest in CU to him committing was really quick. Really quick. Tyler Little's been going through the recruiting process for more than a year now. He's taken visits. At a certain point, if he's going to commit to your school, don't you think it would have happened by now? I don't know. I mean, he could still very well announce for Colorado. But this is just kind of the latest trend of Colorado struggling with football recruiting uh, at the quarterback position. But does it matter if a guy commits if they don't end up signing in the long run? Because would you rather a guy just sit out and wait out and hold out to signing day and say he's uncommitted? Or would you rather say he's committed to see you? Quarterbacks don't wait till signing day. Three-star quarterbacks don't wait till signing day when they have these offers. Quarterbacks don't ever almost. I mean, Terrell Pryor was an anomaly. Right. Anomaly. Anomaly. We know what you mean, Will. Uh, And that's the thing is, like, quarterbacks are going off the board. And so, quite frankly, you want them to commit now because – the reality is, 
is if he decides to all of a sudden decommit, where is he going? Everybody else is filling up. And you would always, always rather fight to hold on to a guy than fight to get him in the first place. Always, no matter what. Anybody who tells you different is lying or they don't know any better because they've already made a commitment. Other schools are going to be moving on with other plans. They might still call him, but they're going to be moving on with other plans. And so, quite frankly, it's almost a game of magical musical chairs, not magical chairs. Magical chairs. <laughs> magical chairs. No, I mean, so, but again, like, Colorado has kind of sucked at quarterback recruiting. Let's, let's be real. And Tyler Little looks like a pretty darn good prospect. But, I mean, he would be the best prospect to commit to CU in years. And on the other side of this break, we're going to be talking about the last time CU did get a big quarterback. Uh, so stick around. We'll be right back on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Preferred Organic Therapy is one of Denver's original dispensaries. With over 30 strains to choose from, we offer elite cannabis that is grown clean with zero harmful pesticides and always hand-trimmed. Nobody gives you the variety that Preferred Organic Therapy does. Our knowledgeable staff will guide you through your shopping experience and ensure you make a well-informed decision. Stop by today for daily specials and to see why customers are raving about Preferred Organic Therapy. Conveniently located at 1569 South Colorado Boulevard, mention BSN Denver and instantly save 15%. Preferred Organic Therapy, a better way to heal. Hi, I'm Erica Chenard, and I've been helping Colorado homeowners buy and sell for 14 years. From the biggest names in Colorado to first-time buyers, I treat each and every one like an MVP. I've sold over 170 homes in the last 12 months, and I can help you sell your current one or buy your next one. Call me, Erica Chenard, at 720-663-1003 or online at denvercohomes.com. Hey, Josh, what happened to Colorado Keg House? I was just there yesterday, Adam. It's the same great place with 72 Colorado craft beers on tap. Really? I heard they had up to 60 breweries in there. I figured they must have moved into a huge building or something. That means they have up to 60 different breweries on tap, dude. Do you think they actually crammed 60 breweries in there? Oh, so they still have 27 TVs? Yeah. And NFL Sunday ticket? Yep. Cool. Still awesome. Colorado Keg House, Colorado's home for craft beer by the First Bank Center in Broomfield. Fossil Trace Golf Club is a destination for golfers across the country. Tucked into the foothills of Golden, Colorado, Fossil Trace is one of the most unique courses in America. Hole 12 was named one of the most fun 18 holes in America by Golf Digest. Fossil Trace is 5280's best golf course, and it's less than 20 minutes from downtown Denver. Go to Fossil Trace to escape the ordinary and discover the extraordinary with prehistoric and modern. Schedule your tea time up to 60 days in advance at FossilTrace.com. Don't miss the Yamaha Get Out and Ride sales event at Coyote Motorsports. With low APRs, huge customer cash, and more on Yamaha motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-sides. From championship Yamaha sport bikes and YZs to sport ATVs and side-by-sides and grizzly, viking, and wolverine models. So see Coyote Motorsports today for huge Get Out and Ride savings. Offers good 216 through 63016 on select Yamaha motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-sides. See Coyote Motorsports for details. Ooh. 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 
back on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. This is the BSN Buffs Podcast. I'm James Carroll alongside Will Whalen and Ryan Koenigsberg. And let me tell you about the Clock Tower Grill. If you're on your way down to the ball game this summer, see a Rockies game, maybe the Rockies-Yankees this week. Well, this podcast coming out after that. But if you're going to go see a game such as that, stop over the Clock Tower Grill over the Lincoln Light Rail Station. Get your free game on. They've got some good deals on apps and drinks as well. So if you're headed down the ball game from the Tech Center, let's say, Go over to the Clock Tower Grill and get your pregame on. And we're going to talk about Cody Hawkins uh, on the BSN Buffs <laughs> podcast. So I was just going to break into that. Drop it. Just drop it. Well, uh, okay, let's, so, let's explain some yeah. context here. So we we here at BSN Buffs have kind of talked about a little bit, uh, especially in last time, we had the struggles that Colorado has had at quarterback, <laughs> especially recruiting. And Colorado hasn't signed a consensus four-star quarterback. Well, they haven't signed a four-star quarterback on Rivals.com since 2003, and that would be Bernard Jackson, which was a real long time ago. And Bernard Jackson didn't exactly turn out to be a four-star quarterback. Not exactly at all. Didn't he end up, like, robbing people's houses for a while or something (laughs) like that? Let's not just throw out... Well, Accusation. He was, he was like arrested for it. Uh, maybe. I don't know if he was. I mean, he's a co- like I think a four-star quarterback. I think he might coach quarterbacks or running backs or someone at CSU Pueblo. Okay, you know, I actually think you're right. Um, so, anyways, like uh, Brian Jackson didn't exactly pan out as a four-star quarterback. Since then, Bernard. What? He said Brian. He said Brian. <laughs> Whatever. It's somebody who wasn't all that good. Um, Bernard. Whatever. Um, and since then. Two quarterbacks that have committed to the Buffs at one time have been labeled as a four-star. I believe it's only two. It might be one or two more, but I'm pretty sure it's only two. Um, you had Shane Dillon, who was rated as a four-star quarterback for, like, three weeks. And garbage. And ended up being dropped to a three-star and was really not good, really ungood in Boulder. His delivery was, like, almost Byung Young Kim-like. It like, was, that's how side-armed it was. You could yeah. say Shane should have been playing for the Dillon Panthers. Never talk again. <laughs> so, anyways, um, and um, anyways, so I mean that was a really bad drop there. Um, so the whole idea, yeah, <laughs> Jake dropping Cody Hawkins on you. The whole idea of this segment was who Asefa was the Lufa last? was the other guy who right. was a four star, but he was a four star only on twenty four seven sports, and he had one reported scholarship offer, and it was from Colorado. They have struggled recruiting the quarterback position who has been the best quarterback in the last i mean seriously in the last 15 years years. 10 years because if you go back a little bit you go to joel clatt pretty automatically okay i mean and we're not saying that joel clatt's great but he's been the most legit okay so you'll go 10 years because that cuts off joel clatt after that it it really comes down to is it sefo lufa or cody hawkins to me yeah yeah that's what you – I mean, that it's unquestioned. Joe Klatt never passed for more than 2,700 yards, though. Are you taking someone else over him? That's all I want to know. I mean, his best season, 21 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. I mean – It was a different was era, though. Season. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's – They ran the – That's 100% true, and I'm not going to – I'm not. I'm again. I'm answer the question: gonna, Are you taking someone else over <laughs> I him? I don't want to answer it. Everybody was not very good. Let's like in the in the on the national. Are you taking scale, someone over the, Joel Klatt? Yes, yes. Who? I'm taking Cody. Get the. Oh god. <laughs> no, I mean in all. Cody honesty, Hawkins did represent the USA. Okay, so. let's stop that. Right. They lost track. that tournament this year, <laughs> and I wonder no, why. They got blown out by Mexico in the no, final. No, they did. Thirty-five the to seven. I've ever heard. 
Um, no, I mean. Shout yeah. out Diego. Was Diego kicking? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, you can't be in college currently. Okay. You know what? I mean, I want to. Okay, I'm not going to compare stats because like, Dan was a freaking madman. But, okay, 10 years. Although it's, it's not as, I think, wide open as you might think. In the last 10 years, it's not as wide open? Or it's no, not as to, if obvious? You, if you include Clat, it's not as obvious. <clears throat> I'll say this. If you put Clat, if you put Cepho on Clat's team, you might have an argument that Cepho is better. Okay. Fair. But, I mean, that's bad. I mean, think about that. Think about this kind of program. I mean, Washington State has had much better quarterbacks. The last Oregon four States, years, they've had better quarterbacks. Oregon State's have better quarterbacks. Everybody in the Pac-12, obviously, has had better quarterbacks. Everybody in the Big 12. Everybody in the SEC. Has anybody been good at Vanderbilt? Jay Cutler. Was he in the last 10 years? Yeah. No, no. Uh, no, he came. Like 2000, no, he came. So 10 years ago. 10 yeah, years okay. ago. Yeah. Okay. Uh, ACC, probably everybody. Syracuse always kind of sucks. No, Wake, Wake Forest had that one like really no, Syracuse good Syracuse had, uh, what's his name from Duke, the Greg Paulus. He wasn't good. Yeah, he wasn't good. <laughs> but, I mean, this is what it's come to. We're debating the merits of Syracuse and Wake Forest's quarterback situations to Colorado's. It's been I mean, bad. it'd be interesting to see who was the who's gone, what Power 5 school has gone the longest without having a quarterback get drafted. Yeah. Because God. it's, I mean, you'd have to lean towards it being CU. You it, at least in the top five. Who was the last quarterback to get drafted from CU? That's Cordell. I mean, do you have to go all the way back no. to Detmer? I think you do have to go to Detmer. Do you remember? Do you know who Detmer is, Jake? <laughs> no. Okay. I'll be honest. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I mean, Detmer, I think is the last one. Wow. Coy Detmer, right? There we go. There we go. Okay, I mean, cool. this is – but this is – I mean, and, Ryan, to kind of segue into your ultimate point here, when you talk about how bad CU's been, do we attribute it to the quarterbacks? I mean, is, was the was the lack of quarterback recruiting and, and was, was there a point in time with quarterbacks specifically when all of a sudden you're like, okay, yeah, this is off the rails. CU is going to go through a 10-year cycle without a bowl. Yeah, I, I truly think the moment Cody Hawkins decided to come to Colorado um, really derailed Colorado football quarterback recruiting for a long, long time. Uh, and I say this with the caveat that Cody was a great buff uh, and not a bad quarterback. Not a bad quarterback. I mean, at the time, for the standard that CU fans were used to, yeah, it was frustrating for them to watch him play. He wasn't bad. And I've always said if you put his mind into the body of a legit quarterback body, he would have been a great quarterback. Yeah. So let me say that with this caveat. But the moment he came to see you and the idea, you just the idea of nepotism came about, uh, it really, really hurt Colorado quarterback recruiting. And, I mean, you can just look at the way it drops off. Great quarterbacks stopped coming to Colorado at that moment. Well, yeah, and it was and it was on a decline because CU oh, right. as itself was on a decline, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But to me, as soon as that happened, CU, I mean Dan Hawkins, quarterback recruiting dropped off, and it just kind of went down from there. What was the name of the quarterback from New Mexico who chose who chose Oklahoma? 
Uh, and he ended up starting after Sam Bradford. Um, God, he was like Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year there. Uh, he was a four-star quarterback choosing between CU and Oklahoma. And he chose Oklahoma because his town was big, was a big Oklahoma town for some reason. But also there was an nepotism concern. I can't remember uh, his name. I think it was in 2007. But the, th- the thing is, is that in my opinion, even when the day Cody Hawkins came here, they, Landry they, Jones? Landry Jones, that's who it was. Uh, you still had a shot at Colorado really kind of escaping the scandal slash non-scandal that was a scandal era, not too beat up. And it was the day after Thanksgiving in 2000, uh, that was 2008. And Colorado went on, they were, they were five and six. They started, that was the year they started 3-0. They blitzkrieg Colorado State. Then they beat West Virginia on the field goal. The day after Thanksgiving, though, they had gone on a little bit of a losing streak. Uh, they somehow managed to beat Kansas State. That was 58-0 at Mizzou. Uh, a, a pathetic showing. It was kind of the year where Cody Hawkins is. Uh, Dan is, Hawkins wouldn't kick the damn field goal to keep right, the scoring streak right. alive. And Tyler Hansen had seen a little bit of playing time that year. And... What happens at that game against Nebraska? Colorado is looking like they're in control. Jimmy and Smith has one of the best plays I've ever seen, intercepting a fake field he goal. He intercepts and it to the house. a fake freaking field goal and takes it to the house. Demetrius Sumler runs the, lo- the longest he's ever run in his life at one time, almost untouched. For a touchdown, Ryer Gear went how many yards on his touchdown? 68 yards on his touchdown. Demetrius Summers, Summers was 36. And it's like Colorado is, they're kind of kicking the hell out of Nebraska in, in some ways. But what happens? But the field goal Alex Henry for happens. all field goals. And all of a sudden, when that 57-yard field goal went up, and then the the interception return, in my opinion, of all interception returns, uh, when Indomitian Sue like shoved Cody Hawkins down to the ground. That game, if Colorado wins that game, they go to a bowl for the second year in a row. Which is, and and all that momentum, that recruiting class that had come in. Everything that had been building for Dan Hawkins all of a sudden, a top 25 recruiting class going to a bowl in his second year, all of a sudden things are coming together. If they win that game and go to a bowl, and honestly, the next cycle, you know what you tell a four-star quarterback? We're back. We just beat Nebraska. Maybe you win the bowl game. Maybe you go seven and six, and then all of a sudden you come to Colorado, redshirt your first year. Cody will be a senior. You're a redshirt freshman. When he's gone, we're handing the keys to you. If they win that game, I think they. I think this program is. Dan Hawkins is probably still the coach. Wow. That game changed the future of Colorado football forever. It changed recruiting forever. I mean, people talk about the curb stomping physicality game that was the next year at Folsom Field, the loss to Colorado State. But that Nebraska game derailed this program. In my opinion, Colorado still had hope when Cody Hawkins showed up. 
They lose that game, though, at all hope. That's where, in my opinion, the cycle that we've seen from Colorado to this day began. My, my, my opinion. Yeah, to me, it's going to be that next year and going 0-2 Colorado State and then at Toledo. That loss against Toledo, I remember watching that on ESPN. Uh, it was like a Thursday night, Friday night game. It was a weird time. It was a Thursday night game. Yeah. I was watching it with the family of a couple, the couple families of players, and all of them looked at me, every last one of them, and the consensus was, Ox got to go. He's he's got to go. Not a single. I talked with a former player after the Colorado State game, uh, and. and the first thing, you know, because we had developed a friendship, the first thing he says to me is, I miss Barnett. I miss Barnett. I miss the culture of the style of play and the mentality players showed up with under Barnett. And he said, nothing will ever be the same. And I remember this vividly. And that was the night, that's the night I've always said, that's the day when I knew Dan Hawkins would, would, would be fired within the next, I thought, couple months obviously he gets another year but I mean that but that Nebraska game what what if none of this happens so you're of the belief that that Nebraska game was where it all fell apart for CU yes you're of the belief that the Toledo game is where it all fell apart for CU well I think that Owen to start losing to Colorado State and losing to Toledo for me, I go way back, and it lends to the point that you just made to the day Gary Barnett was fired. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people don't remember that Gary Barnett wasn't necessarily directly fired for that scandal. He was fired after a collective 100-6 to in two games yeah. Yeah. to Nebraska, 30-3, to and then, of course, Texas, 70-3 to in the Big 12 championship game. And at the time, for Colorado fans, that was the most embarrassing thing that could have ever happened. I mean, yep. not only do you get smacked by Nebraska and back your way into the Big 12 title game, then Vince Young makes you look like a bunch of fools. Like, the most embarrassing game I've ever seen a team lose. So, at the time, I you have to understand why the move was made. Yeah. But, to me... Firing Gary Barnett, a very good football coach, good recruiter, because of the negative cloud over the program, and then the lack of performance in those last two games, to me, that's when it all went downhill because that, that to me, that's the first domino because then it goes to Dan Hawkins being hired and it goes to Cody coming. Uh, See, but I'm with Will in a belief that things were trending back upwards for Hawkins. I, 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 I'm with you. I think things took a but bad th- turn that day but as I think well. Barnett could have turned it back around. His recruiting had gone so far downhill. I mean, you needed a fresh voice to come into the program at that time. And I'm a, I'm a Gary Barnett guy. I practically grew up in Gary Barnett's locker room. But it, it was... It, it was past it you needed a new energy in the program not just really for recruiting but for the university for PR for the community and yeah I mean Dan Hawkins had it 
So he had it. So he signed the number two player in the country. Oh, he was, but he missed on him. It was a miss. You don't. I don't. In my opinion, it's not about who you get. It's about who you miss on. In my opinion, it's you, it's impossible to miss on the number two player in the country. Be, when everybody, because everybody missed. That's just a player who obviously right, but had then no you just, desire to be good. But then you look at the back of all the guys that he quote unquote got in these recruiting classes that never panned out. There were so many guys who didn't qualify. Uh, what was his name? PT PT Gates. PT Gates. He ran like a four three, and everyone was go, running off the walls well, about look, him. I'm not, I'm not saying that his development was was on par with his recruiting. I mean, he recruited guys that were on paper talented and had the potential to be developed. He he recruited pretty good canvases. I, mean, I just I'm of the belief that Gary could have turned it back around. And and that's fair. That's Gary fair. would have never let it get to. Uh, thirty-five to zero in the first, qu- twenty-eight to zero in the first quarter against, against Fresno, Fresno State. State. That's the most. I said, I said the seventy-three was the most uh, embarrassing game. That's wrong, Fresno State, and and I said it at the time. That was the most embarrassing football game I've ever seen a, a college football team play. Is that and will that be the lo- the lowest point in the history of Colorado football pro the Colorado football program? <laughs> you better hope so. Um, I've never seen anything like that before. I remember jokingly, Dar- Dara had pinned them on the one-yard line, and I jokingly tweeted out, like, just more yards for their offense. And on the next play, the dude went 99 yards. I was like, this is – I've never seen anything – or two oh. plays later, whatever it was, the dude went 90 yards. I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, my friends were clowning me for watching the game. I was just like, this is – this is my nightmare. I think – that game was real bad, but from a morale standpoint, because the like Fresno State could have scored, I think they could have scored maybe two more touchdowns, maybe. They completely they were at their third string quarterback in, I in know. the second half. I know, I know, but <laughs> they could have scored twelve more touchdowns. <laughs> but Oregon. Just a couple weeks later, was up fifty-six to zero at halftime. Oh my god! They were up fifty-six to zero at half. Oregon, without breaking a sweat. Like that's the thing. Like, what was the final score? The final score was seventy to fourteen, which was only one point worse than the Fresno State game. And and Fresno State scored fifty-five in the first half. Okay, they scored fifty-five. But it was fifty-five to seven. Oregon could have scored one hundred and thirty points that game. <laughs> I don't think Fresno State could have scored one hundred and thirty points. Probably not. The, that, yeah. I mean, that's the low point. But you know what? The low point. And look, but it's it's Oregon. It's not like right. Right. And that's why I say what I actually think. I think I've was like, the low point of that season, of the of of this whole buffs thing. This whole buffs it, thing it is. I love John Embry as a man. Oh, yeah. He he was a big figure in my life as a kid. Love him. Love the family. The next week after losing to Fresno State, Colorado went on the road to Washington State, completing an epic comeback. 
as, as Leech just craps the bed, pretty much just saying, like, no, like, I'm not going to do what's supposed to be right. I can do what I want. It's Colorado. Mm-hmm. They come back and win somehow. Tony Jones, uh, Nick like, Casa yeah. go on these big runs. And after the game, John Emery was so happy. And, and da- damn it, I hate to rag on the guy. I mean, he was crying in the in the post post game interview on the field. He was damn near crying in the in the, in the locker room. And the only win that mattered in his career at Colorado, the only win that mattered. That's like the last maybe good team that Colorado's beaten. No, 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 no. Who's Colorado beaten good. since? That wasn't a good team. They won. Hold on. I'm going to double check this because my memory tells me they weren't like the worst team I've ever seen. No, they were Okay, terrible. they were really bad. They were three and nine. <laughs> okay. Anyways. But What's your there point? Was, my point is this, is that there was so much joy after losing 69 to 14. There was so much joy. It was almost like a kick in the nuts. No, you know what it was? It was like, you're at the bar. You're flirting with a girl. She's not that hot, quite frankly. You just got every <laughs> disease imaginable what from the last you girl doing? you hooked up with. You're talking to a girl at the bar. She's a three. You're a three. Two. You're worse than a three. <laughs> but she's better than you still. You're talking to her, and you know what? She looks at you and says, yeah, I'll go home with you. And you leave the bar. You came back. You had to come back, and you won. And you know what happens to you is you leave the bar. She shoves you down on the stairs, spits in your face, laughs at you, kicks you in the balls, takes a picture of you, tweets it out, and says, look at how ungodly happy this douchebag was to get with me. Oh my God! That's what that me. loss was like, because that's what that whole season was practically like. After that, because then they lose forty-two to fourteen to UCLA. That's the low point of the last ten years of Colorado football. We'll be right back at the SN Denver Podcast Network. That was an epic game. I could really relax now. Let's go to a dispensary. Yeah, that's a great idea. But it's after seven, so all the dispensaries in Denver are closed. Wait. Life Flower on Leedsdale serves both medical and recreational until midnight daily. Best of all, they're a one-stop shop. They have a huge variety of edibles, drinks, concentrates, flour, and they even have glass in case we need a pipe. Oh, cool. Let's go. Life Flower Dispensary. Open 8 a.m. to 12 a.m. Monday through Sunday. Mention BSN Denver and get 15% off your entire purchase. Rain, sleet, or snow, 24 hours a day, residential or commercial, you name it, A-Team does it. A-Team Garage Doors will meet or beat any estimate and offer same-day repairs. A-Team Garage Doors has a five-star rating and is a home advisor elite service provider. Call A-Team Garage Doors at 720-556-8016. That's A-Team Garage Doors, 720-556-8016. Call 8016 for the A-Team. 
If you or somebody you know has been in any type of accident, call Flesh Law. You do not want to face the insurance company alone. If you're not sure what to do, Flesh Law offers free consultation and will meet with you for as long as you need. And if you do decide to file, Flesh Law will have your litigation started immediately so that they can get your case resolved quickly. Call Flesh Law at 303-806-8886 or Google Flesh Law. That's 303-806-8886 for Flesh Law. Hi, this is Justin Gold from Justin's. If you've had my nut butter or my peanut butter cups, then you know that I take my products and my customers very seriously. So when I needed my roof replaced, I wanted somebody who feels the same way about their customers and their products that I do. Luckily for me, I found exactly that when I went to Chip Bezo from Chip's Roofing, and he provided me with a service that I'll never forget. Not only did they build me a beautiful high-wind roof with the best products available, but the quality, price, and service was exceptional. I was in contact with Chip the entire time, and him and his crew couldn't have been more professional. Chip's Roofing has my business for life. Chip's Roofing, Colorado's high-wind roofing experts for 30 years. You can find us online at chipsroofingllc.com. That's chipsroofingllc.com. Or call us now at 720-938-ROOF. That's 720-938-ROOF. Once again, 720-938-ROOF. Jackson's Hole opened up in March of 1977 and quickly became the place for watching all sporting events. Almost 40 years later, Jackson's All-American Sports Grill is keeping the reputation alive. We've upgraded our TVs to 65 and 70 inch HD flat screens. We have amazing food and to top it all off, we have almost 30 beers on tap, including our table taps so you can control at your own table. Come down to Jackson's All-American Sports Grill in Greenwood Village off of Arapahoe and I-25. Jackson's, the original sports grill. Back on the BSN Denver podcast. Real network. quick, real quick. As as you're so angry about what Will like Will Whalen just brought you down. You're to not that, ready for the realness. He brought you to rock bottom. I just want you to think about like that imagery, which was great. Uh, just think about how bad that was compared to like think about how much better it is right now. Think about the embarrassment you felt against Fresno State or UCLA or Oregon that year. In like. I think personally, even from a journalistic standpoint, I really blocked a lot of that out of my memory. Like, I didn't think about how bad it was until we started saying those numbers over again. To think about that to where they are now, they have gone a long freaking way to get to where they are now. Uh, so I just wanted to put that out there because, like, I can just yeah, pe- see true. people, like, grinding their teeth as Will was giving that imagery. Just think where they are now and how long they've come yeah, from that. Absolutely. I will say one thing. The last two minutes of that Hawaii game last year certainly felt like some of those Colorado football teams, uh, specifically that Colorado football team under John Embry, where just anything that could go wrong went wrong in those last two minutes against Hawaii last and year. And even when you think of it that way, you realize it was a close game that they almost right. had a chance and, to and win. that's the thing. I said it was like – John Emery, of course, they, they had injuries and everything like that, and, and things went wrong. But that program, and I say that program because it, it feels like a different program. The program was different then. You didn't have facilities. You didn't have competence at coordinators. You didn't have everything. And everything went wrong for that team in part because you had a team that was ripe for the picking for things to go wrong for. It's a different program now. Uh, things have changed. You might... You might not be where you want to be yet as a Colorado fan, 
but you're a hell of a lot closer to anything resembling good than you were at that point. But thinking about that Hawaii game from last year, now that the times are set this year for the non-conference games, how much do the non-conference games set a tone for the rest of the season? Because when you consider that Hawaii game, that seemed to have a stain on the rest of the year last year. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's a really hard thing because in this sport of college football, I love this song right now, uh, in this sport of college football, it's so important to start off great. And no one, I mean, you're never at your best in week one. And that was my biggest fear. And I remember I was on the radio the day of that uh, Hawaii game. And I said, there's no reason that Colorado should lose this game. But I have absolutely no confidence that they'll win it. And it's because you have no idea what's going to happen in that first game of the season. And we've talked about it umpteen times about that's why CU fans hate playing CSU in the first game of the season. So much can go wrong. Um, so the non-conference really sets the slate for the rest of the year. And for a team like CU who doesn't have so many wins just sitting out there on the, t on the table, they cannot let any of these games that are winnable slip away. Yeah, and you think about how much momentum you gain from wins in general. I mean, all of a sudden the next week is everybody's running a half a step quicker. They're waking up a half, a couple minutes earlier. Everything is going on point after a win. And the reality is, is those wins mean maybe more in the non-conference because if you start 0-3, I mean, as a, as a young as a young man, as a young player, you kind of already have it in your head, man, maybe we're not that good, probably not going bowling this year. Even if that's not always the thing on your mind, it creeps in even to the best of players. They have those weak moments. You win big non-conference games, and you can see what that can do to you. You can see what that can do for you. I mean, it, it doesn't always pan out. I realize that, but think about we were talking about the 3-0 start that Colorado had in 2008 and the fact that they beat West Virginia at home in overtime. They go on the road to Florida State the next weekend. What if they win that game? That team is ranked number one. They're playing with a different mojo. I mean, non-conference games can change things on a dime so quickly because you look at, I mean, the best team that CU has had in the last 20 years, 2001. They start that year with a loss to Fresno State. It was a- Derek Carr. It was no, a- sorry, David Carr. Huge game. It was on ESPN2. Derek Carr game. was the one who did them dirty. You know, Ryan, quarterback when yeah, they, yeah. Ryan, it was a different model. Carr, get it? Oh, Lord, no. <laughs> that was good, that was good. I liked it, but we've had it. All right, anyways. They lose to Fresno State at the home. one model. And all of a sudden, I mean, you're talking about a team that really needed a bounce back from the year before. What do they do? They galvanize, and they beat a, a ranked Colorado State team 41-14. to That win changes their season. Absolutely. You absolutely. beat a rival. You don't just beat a rival. You kick the ever-living hell out of a rival. That changes your season. Only a coach like Gary Barnett gets you to do that, by the way. Hey, you think about what's coming this this season. Those first three non-conference games. 6 o'clock, Friday, September 2nd against Colorado State. 3.30 p.m. Mountain Time, Saturday, September 10th against Ohio, Idaho State. And uh, Saturday, September 17th at the Big House, Michigan, 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Thank God it's not Ohio State. Yeah, I own. <laughs> They'd be in trouble. You're going Ohio State and Michigan back-to-back? -back, that'd be brutal. What if you win all three? 
What if somehow you what I mean because you think about it, you're beating you beat Colorado State to open your year. You've got the mojo, you've got some momentum. That's the one thing that playing Colorado State after Game Three. What if you've already lost a game or two? That win all of a sudden doesn't give you the same momentum necessarily as maybe Game One. There's also maybe not as many chances for fool's luck to happen. But if you beat Colorado State, you should. They should pound should, Idaho State. I'm, I'm not even going to say you should beat Idaho State. This is Colorado's had their trouble with low, lower level schools. You should beat Idaho State. Idaho State sounds like they're in the Big Sky too. I, I can't confirm that. <laughs> you have <laughs> can confirm their vandals. <laughs> all of a sudden, you're two and zero heading at Michigan. No, that's Idaho. What are, what's Idaho State? Idaho then? State is the Bengals they're, or Tigers. They're black and orange. I think, I think they're think the, it's tigers. the Tigers. Are there Tigers in Idaho? Not a, a single zoo. one. <laughs> I don't even think there's a zoo in Idaho. I, I bet on that. Do you think Boise has a zoo? How 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 many birds are at the Boise Zoo? Uh, I think they have 277 species there. Good knowledge. Good knowledge. He goes to work at Dove Valley, so he knows a lot about birds. <laughs> <laughs> What if they beat Michigan, guys? Uh, I mean, what, what, what if this team starts 3-0? I think it's possible because you, you look at the quarterback situation for Michigan and there's a lot of question marks there. They lost something like, I want to say, upwards of 17 starters. And they lost almost their entire linebacking core, if not the entire linebacking core. I'm obviously not as in tune with Michigan as Colorado. But Colorado can exploit that matchup uh, against Michigan with quarterback play and their linebackers. That happened to Colorado a few times last year late in the season when their linebackers went down, and I felt as if they had a healthy linebacking core, they would have actually won a game or two. Uh, Arizona comes right. to mind. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I mean, so, so that's those are two huge positions. Obviously, we're going to learn a lot more about Michigan leading up to the season. I mean, when, when we're doing previews and really breaking down the matchups, but, I mean, you talk about a – Look, if, if it was Colorado State, Idaho State, and New Mexico on the schedule, and you start 3-0, nobody notices. Nobody gives a damn. You start 3-0 and you beat Michigan. Look at Utah last year. I believe they did just that. Yep. Uh, and all of a sudden, they were, like, catapulted. I mean, it'll be different, but they were catapulted into the top 15, and everyone was talking about how legit they were. But this happens – I guarantee you, at least on College Football Live, there'll be a segment, is Colorado football back? Yeah. Well, in Colorado versus Oregon that weekend, that will get some attention oh, that I mean, next weekend. That'll be prime time. Both teams will be yeah. and, th- and this is, I mean, granted it's at Oregon, but if you want to talk about an Oregon team that's right to get picked off on paper, this is the one. Except it'll be in Eugene, which exactly. is tough. Exactly. But, uh, but that's the thing. If you beat Michigan, you start 3-0. You're going to see a lot of people saying, watch out for upset alert in Eugene of a Colorado team that's already proven to win on the road. On the road, yeah. I mean, it would be uh, it would be beautiful to see, honestly, just because Colorado football would be back on the radar. Everyone in Boulder's head will be turned. Uh, and the buzz that started to build going into last year, I felt like it was starting to build. But now you talk about actually having the facilities. You talk about you know having an athletic director like Rick George who's committed to this cause. Um, all of a sudden, you know worries about Mike McIntyre not being the guy are out the window. Everything kind of starts to come together, and right. everyone starts to believe 
and everyone starts putting their CU flag out in their front yard in the morning, and that's the kind of stuff that we've been missing around here for so long. Would it have been bigger if last year's team started 4-0, or is it bigger if this team starts 3-0? I, I mean, I say 3-0 because of this. Um, who? What was their fourth game last year? Sorry. They won it, right, didn't they? Here, it's right in front of me. Hold on. Yeah, so their first four games, Hawaii, UMass, Colorado State, and Nichols. So they start at 3-1. Um, I say this because – Oh, yeah, I forgot about the whole No four. matter how tough th – they played Oregon really tough at home. That was a, on paper, better Oregon team than we're going to see this year. Right? And – You must remember, though, they did go to their third-string quarterback in that game. Right. I, again, yeah. I, that was a game that Colorado had a chance to win. It's funny how, at that point, people were talking about Vernon Adams, how they would rather see him – and I don't even remember the guy they started, which proves my point perfectly. Yeah. And, it, it, and Vernon Adams ended up tearing up the Pac-12 at the end of the season. Because look, Vernon if, Adams is going to make a name for himself in the CFL. In the CFL. Yeah. Yeah. If Colorado goes 4-0 last year, nobody notices. You beat Hawaii, UMass, CSU, Nichols, nobody cares. You start 3-0 this year. With a win in Ann Arbor. With a win in Ann Arbor. That First of all, and I've said this, that will be the first good team that McIntyre will have beat. That will be the best win that Colorado has had as a program since they beat Kansas at home in, under Dan Hawkins yeah. when Dan, when Kansas was ranked. Um, and you're playing, a, and granted it's on the road, but if you beat Michigan on the road, how many I mean, it's not absurd to think that you could be beating Oregon on the road because that, again, this is the probably the most vulnerable Man, Oregon team we've they, seen. They I go mean, through the gauntlet, though. I mean, they have but, a four-week stretch. But that's stretch. the thing, though, because next you have Oregon State at home. If, if you go 3-0, and I mean, I would, depending on points, I might play, lay some money on Colorado at Oregon, and then you have Oregon State. This is a long ways off, yeah. but you have a chance to start 5-0, and and then that gauntlet that you go through, you got to get one. No, but I'm – got to okay. get one. Now let me come back down to earth here real quick. Just look at this four-week stretch. Michigan, Oregon, Oregon State at Southern Cal. Three of those four, the three hardest are on the road. I mean – Yeah. Uh, the, the, this is not a small task that I'm talking about. Yeah. But, but, but I will say if they we're do We're in a start segment talking about what if they start 3-0. and And if they start 3-0, and you're telling me you, you won't give them a shot against Oregon? No, they absolutely do. I just, I, I just, I'm looking at this four-game stretch of at Michigan, at Oregon, Oregon State at home, at Southern Cal. I, 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 I mean, you're I, happy to get. No, one I, of those. I, you're happy. You're thrilled think, to get two think, of those. I think the most terrifying stretch for CU fans is Southern Cal, Arizona State, Stanford, UCLA, because two of those are at home, and those are games that you. Hey, you one of that's on a Thursday night. You have to get one of those two at home. You don't go to a bowl this year unless you get one of those two. I, I will call that right now. Colorado will not go to a bowl unless they talked about either. them starting five and zero. Oh. Well, and that's what I'm saying. You have to get one of those. But I didn't. I didn't call them going. <laughs> I, five I know. Five. I know. That's I know. The difference. But but you just said it's a possible scenario. In the scenario that they go five and zero, oh, they don't have to get one. It's of possible those. they go thirteen and zero. Oh. No, because this is what I'm saying. Utah has had Colorado's number a bit. Utah really? shouldn't be very Utah good next year. Utah has had the least of Colorado's number of almost anyone in the Pac-12. But they've arguably been as close as anybody other than Oregon State, maybe. I mean, those end-of-season games, they won one of them on a fluke when when Utah's field goal kicker couldn't make anything. I mean, all I'm saying is this. 
is if Colorado has if Colorado starts five and zero, I'm not going to go out here and call it, but if they go five and zero, that gives you some cushion. All of a sudden, you only you're looking at Arizona State, UCLA, Washington State, Utah, saying we only got to get one, we only got to get one. In all likelihood, in my opinion, what I would call is you've got to beat Arizona State or UCLA at home for Colorado to go to a bowl game this year. Let's back it down. Let's say they take care of business against Colorado State and Idaho State and then beat Michigan. Let's just say they don't beat Oregon, whatever. Let's just say they start 3-0, okay? There is a high likelihood just from there that they get six wins if they start 3-0 because I'm saying they can go out and beat Washington State and beat Utah and then get... And then get one of those games between Arizona State and UCLA. Washington State returns like ninety-five percent of their offense. It's at home, though. It's at home, and it's what Washington State. What has that meant State. for Colorado? Something. They performed really? better at home the last the, uh, last Who've year. They they Who have they beaten? Who have they beaten on the road? Oregon, Oregon State. State. <laughs> okay. Well, they get Oregon State at home this year, so they'll uh, get that one, and you'll feel I, better. I, about. I'm saying there is no game in the Pac-12. That we are allowed to say Colorado has a high likelihood of winning. As we stand right now, I, I'm not allowing it on this podcast anymore. What? That you're not allowed to say that Colorado has a high likelihood of beating anybody in the Pac-12 from now on until the season starts. That's, uh, they don't. Thank you. So, even if they start 3-0, there's not a high likelihood that they're going to a bowl game because, okay... Utah would be the most likely of those home Utah and Oregon State would be the most likely of those, right? That's five wins. Washington State, just UCLA, but, and Arizona but State. When you, you look at it on one. paper, it's easy to forget how they played all these teams close last year. And all it takes is a couple breaks here and there. We said that about the year before. They played UCLA so close. Okay. But it, close games don't mean anything. They don't until you start winning them, and then you look back and say, oh, they learned from all those close games. And if, But that doesn't Which always happen. That's thing. the thing. It, it, it only means something once you win. Them, but all I'm saying is, happening doesn't mean anything you, okay. unless you win. All I'm saying is when you when you're looking at Arizona State or when you're looking at UCLA on the schedule, in your head you're making that a loss right now. But you're only thinking that because it's UCLA versus Colorado. You're not thinking of it in the sense of wow, Colorado almost had him on the road last year. And Rosen is now a sophomore, and the truth. He sure didn't look like the truth when I saw him last year. He, he played very well for large stretches of the year last year as a true freshman. Oh, I know. I mean, he's going to be the truth. All I'm saying is – I mean, you're the truth guy, if you're in a hot tub like that. Let's put it that way. <laughs> All I'm saying is our guy, Ed Lewis, leading up to that game, <laughs> made me think that Josh Rosen was like the second coming of God. And Sefo Lufau outperformed him by a long shot in that game to the point where Ed Lewis – and you know Ed – he had to admit after the game that Sefo wasn't bad, quote unquote. Yeah, that that was a lot coming from Ed. I, I, it, but I, going I, into that game, Sefo, he would have told you that Sefo Lupau is the worst quarterback to face the earth, I, just because he played for Colorado. I'm not here saying that Colorado has no chance to beat UCLA, no chance to beat Arizona State, but guys, it's it's mother effing June, and what has Colorado done to say that? Yeah, I mean they're. Probably going to win that game. They they haven't. I'm not saying probably going to win any game, but they haven't beaten anybody good. So I'm not going to give them much of a shot to beat good teams until they beat someone good. The guy who was talking about five minutes ago. I know. I mean, okay, because now we're being now we're being real. I'm going to mash these two together and just have Will arguing against himself. (laughs) I mean, please do. But now we're being real. 
The whole segment was based around the question, what if Colorado goes 3-0? I know, I know. A question, by the way, in pre-production, brought up by this schmuck, not by me. So He's pointing at Jake, the, not me. I'm just the one who posed it on the show. Do I think Colorado is going 3-0? No, I do not. No. Do I think they're going 5-0? No, I do not. Have oil, do I no think gifts. they have a chance to go to a bowl game? Sure, yes. Do I think it's likely? No. Am I going to pick them to beat Arizona State or UCLA? No. No, 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 no. You want me to keep it 100? I'm going to keep it 100. All right? If we're talking about keeping it real, I'm keeping it real. I'm not picking them to beat anybody good until they do it. Better show some respect on me when you call me out. You want to come at the king, you best not miss. We'll be back at the BSN Bumps We're done. Next segment, we'll be right back. Thirty-five miles west of Vail, nestled in the Rocky Mountains, is Colorado's most beautiful golf course, Gypsum Creek. The creek flows through the course as Colorado wildlife is spotted, along with views of the Red Table Mountains. You can play this spectacular course for as low as $68 for 18 holes, and that even includes the cart. The twilight rate is less than half of that. Book your next tournament, wedding, or special event at gypsumcreekgolf.com. That's gypsumcreekgolf.com. Euflora is the Apple Store of cannabis. With three locations, the biggest selection in the state, and a tech-driven shopping experience, Euflora is the only dispensary you need. Euflora has over 75 types of edibles, tinctures, topicals, and drinks, and they have over 20 strains of flour at all times. To see everything Euflora has to offer, go to EufloraColorado.com. That's EufloraColorado.com. When is the last time you went to the Rock Restaurant and Bar on Smoky Hill Road? With 69-cent wings on Mondays, trivia on Tuesdays, and $2 domestics during happy hour and weekends, the Rock Restaurant and Bar is the only choice when I'm in South Aurora. They're open 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, making them a great place for a big breakfast, tasty lunch, or a nice dinner. The Rock is off of Smoky Hill Road, just a few blocks west of E-470. Find them online at therockrest.com. That's therockrest.com. Why go to the Clock Tower Grill? Because of the burgers? Sure. How about the 15 big screen TVs and the 100-inch projection screen? Okay. How about the fact that it's conveniently located at the Lincoln Light Rail Station? Yep. We could do this all day. The bottom line is that the Clock Tower Grill has unique food and drink specials every single day and offers something for everyone all the time. Head down to the Lincoln Light Rail Station and let's have some fun at the Clock Tower Grill. Back on the BSN Buffs podcast with Jake Shapiro, Ryan Koenigsberg, and Will Whalen. Us being credentialed media members and followers of the Buffs for a long time. We have some good uh, rants uh, that coaches have had, uh, some of our favorites at least. Um, my favorite, probably looking back, was that Dan Hawkins, this ain't intramurals, this is the Big 12, go play intramurals, whole rant. I, I love that rant. Yeah, I, it was a good, at the time, 
it was a good rant because people still believed in hawk speak and everyone was kind of in that mode of like everything he says is good uh, and he's not a crazy person who just spouts off so at the time yes uh, that was a great rant Will what was your favorite rant does it have to be C related yes okay well I'll start with the C related then I'll do one that's not because it deserves to be mentioned if we're talking about any rant. Uh, the, the best rant that I ever heard at CU You're such was probably John Embry. I mean, a, after the Cal game, you know, okay. I mean, when is enough enough? When is enough enough? Um, I let you take that one because I just remembered I have a better one. That's my favorite. You know, but honestly, honestly, I mean, if I had to pick, I might go with um, – Oh, gosh. Which one was it? There was one post game with Tad Boyle. There was one post game that with Tad Boyle that I can't remember that was just about the greatest thing of my life at the time, and I can't remember what he said. It might have been what Jake just whispered to I want to fight someone. Yes. Or I want to punch <laughs> someone, whatever that, that was. was. Man, I want to fight somebody. He was I looking was me so, right in the eyes. I was, because it was so off, hyped up. That was off my question, and it was the scariest thing of my life. <laughs> I really thought Tab, he was going to hit Tadboy was a G. I don't care, bro. Tadboy was a G. Those are all good contenders. My personal favorite because it came out of nowhere. We had not known Mike McIntyre like this yet. And you lose this. This was the, the most hype I've ever seen a post-game press conference in my <laughs> life. It was on. Shut up. On. See you loses to Arizona. And Mike McIntyre walks in, and he usually takes a long Let's time. Go. He came in hot and literally sits down, slams his hand on the orange. Like, you got three questions. Go. Just points right to Kyle and, Ringo. And as he's answering him, he's pointing at the reporter. Like, why did you kick some? Thought it gave us a chance to win the game. Next. And then, and then Ringo's like, why are you being like this, coach? Finally, Ringo, who I don't care if you don't like Kyle Ringo. I actually saw him this week. Kyle Ringo is awesome. And... He goes, just goes, in his like dry, humorous kind of voice, just goes, Coach, why are you being like this? <laughs> He's like, because I'm pissed. I was like, let's go. And finally, and he, like in answering that question, he kind of calms himself. I'm just, you know, in, uh, all right, you know, I'm just really upset that we lost this yeah. game. And he finally comes out and like it, it turns into a whole press conference. But, but the I did not know Mac had that in him when he walked in. He was like, three questions, go. After he had calmed down, he still threw so much salt. He's just like, and their quarterback made throws I haven't seen him make on tape since he was like five years old. I was like, let's ride. Um, that was great. But there have been other memorable rants by coaches and athletes. You talk about uh, Coach Green in the NFL. They are who we thought they were. We let him off the Playoffs. Hook. Playoffs. But the greatest rant in history, and I will speak it word for word because it deserves that. The question. So you and Coach Brown got caught up on Saturday oh, about practice. Don't read the whole if thing. If I can't please. practice, I can't practice, man. Please stop. If I'm hurt, I'm hurt. I mean, simple as that. It ain't about that. I mean, it's it's not about that at all. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but it's it's easy to to talk about. It's easy to sum it stop. up when you're just talking about practice. Ellipses, ellipses, lots of ellipses, even more. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice, not a game. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not, not, not the game. I mean, it, it, the greatest 
press conference in human history. I, I got that actually isn't as good as mine. Lee Elia's 1983 rant as the manager of the Cubs. Um, I'm going to censor this because it's that bad. He drops more F-bombs in this than at. I'll start at just the first part. F-bombs are, they lose their touch with me. F those effing fans who come out here and say they're Cubs fans that are supposed to be behind you, ripping every effing thing you do. I'll tell you one effing thing. I think we we get effing hotter than S just to stuff it in those 3,000 effing people that show up every effing day because they're the real Chicago effing fans. They can kiss my effing ass right downtown and print that. And then it keeps going on, and he keeps just ripping into the Cubs fans. That's really epic. And then he got fired. My favorite one is, I'm a man. I'm 40. Yeah, that one was great. But, again, my my favorite has to be AI because, A, it was a player, and in the end he said the same sentence 15 times. And finally, man, look, I hear you. It's funny to me, too. I mean, it's strange. What? what? It it made no sense, but it was amazing. And it was Allen Iverson, who is a hero. An American hero. That's going to wrap up the BSN Buffs podcast live from the Blake Street Tavern for Will Whalen, who you can follow on Twitter about at practice. William underscore Whalen. Practice. And for practice Ryan Koningsberg, who you can follow at Ryan Koningsberg. I am Jake Shapiro. Don't you can add follow at Chapalicious. Thanks for following us. For. Follow Not all the, the content at BSNBuffs.com. Not the press conference. Thanks for listening in. You see we'll me see in the press conference. Week. Do I entertain you? <laughs>